Hello and welcome to another episode of the Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. 2021 is continuing to shape up to be a potentially busy year for the Folklore Podcast in many ways, as we look to expand our remit for the preservation and presentation of folklore. The Folklore Library and Archive Project, which you will have seen some notices about if you're a Twitter follower on our account, at FolklorePod, is being planned out in the background right now. I'm very fortunate to have two wonderful colleagues volunteering with me on this project in Rihanna and Daniel Winter, who are based in Canada, so most of our planning is currently underway on a Discord server. Re is a storyboard artist and animator and is responsible for many of the new logos and graphics that you're starting to see on the podcast media. And her husband Daniel is an archivist, so they're bringing some great skills to the table. Watch out for more announcements soon, as there are grand plans for the Folklore Library and Archive, which we want to be an internationally important research resource for everyone. We have a number of accessions and archives already in our possession, either through donation, rescue or personal holdings. There'll be a new website and social media for this project soon. Don't forget that the Folklore Podcast relies on your support to keep going, and you can see, through projects such as this, the benefit that even the smallest contribution makes. Please consider joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the Folklore Podcast from just a dollar a month, if you can. You'll get extra content and discounts, and you'll be directly helping with projects such as this. You can also make donations through the front page of the podcast website. And, of course, if you can't help financially, please still share content and engage with social media. It's all really beneficial. Now, on to today's episode of the podcast, and I'm delighted to be able to present an interview which I recorded online recently with Einar Selvik, the founder of the band Wardruna. Wardruna's music reimagines and reinvigorates ancient Nordic music practice and wisdom using custom-built ancient instruments with a contemporary vision. Einar himself has lectured all over the world on his work with historical music, and top international scholars in Old Norse studies use it to exemplify how music might have been executed in early Scandinavian times. Einar has over 60 placements of music in the hit TV show Vikings, which he has starred and performed in himself in two seasons. Wardruna remain the only band ever to have performed with an amplified concert at the Viking Ship Museum. It was a real privilege to be able to talk to Einar about his work and his recently released new album White Raven, in the English translation. I was also keen to feature some of Einar's music in this episode, now, obviously, clearance wasn't possible for the new album, but I did get rights to use two of his older tracks. And so, to lead us into the interview, here is the track, Rado. Thank you. 
So, Einar, thank you very much for coming on to the Folklore Podcast and taking the time to be with us. Um, for those that are not familiar with your work and what you do, could you just explain a little bit about where your musical and your research interests lie and how that translates into what your band, Wardrina, do as well? Well, um, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and, um, yeah, the, well... Uh, I guess um, um, I've been a musician and, and uh, composer since I was a young child. Predominantly, well, started out working mostly with metal music, but I've sort of always had a, a, a great interest for um, for history, and it's it's something I was uh, uh, quite a lot exposed to uh, in in my upbringing as well, and um, um, and also sort of grew up with a lot of traditional music and and uh, classical music and other styles of music as well. So um, I guess in my my early teens, the um, I sort of found my own interest for for for. Um, for the Nordic traditions and history and, and uh, all of that. And, and I guess that, that kind of grew more and more seriously. Um, and um, at some point I, I just really had the, the need to, um, to, well, fo- focus on, uh, focus my work on, on something that really meant something to me. And, and so around, 20 years ago I, I started to fully dedicate myself in, into um, into working with with older uh, historical uh, instruments predominantly from the Nordic region um, and I guess I guess I wanted to um, I guess it kind of uh, is, is born out of uh, a desire or, or, or a need that I, I really wanted to to hear music that was uh, sort of interpreting these things on their own premises rather than just borrowing from it, whether it's the imagery or lyrics or, or an instrument here and there. I, I really wanted to dive deeper into it and, and use relevant instruments, relevant language and uh, poetic structures, sounds, etc. Um, so, uh, so I basically started um, working with uh, Wadruna, and um, which is a, a yeah a, a project dedicated to to giving voice to to certain parts of of the older ways. Um, not not. Um, the goal has never been to to try and uh, copy or, or recreate music from any specific time period. It's more about um, taking something old and, and uh, creating something new. But at the same time, it's really important for me to um, to sort of uh, stand on solid ground before uh, venturing into the more creative and intuitive processes. So. so um, I would say my my approach to this uh, this work is multidisciplinary, uh, with with uh, both an academic approach to to studying sources, um, bo- both uh, when it comes to the musicology and also uh, the the themes I'm working with, um, and and uh, then of course. Um, yeah, the more the more intuitive part of it, uh, making it speak to people today, and and um, 
yeah, I guess my focus is is um, there are a lot of things from the past that are are just as relevant today as they they used to be, uh, and the, uh, that goes the other way as well. A lot of things aren't really uh, that applicable to to uh, contemporary life, but my my focus is on on the things that are. Um, now, when we talk about ancient Nordic music, um, what kind of instruments are we talking about? Because I know you perform using kind of recreated, custom-built old instruments, don't you? What were the, what were they using in those times? Uh, depends on uh, on uh, the the time period you're uh, referring to, but uh, well. Um, uh, my my instruments they range uh, back to Stone Age basically with, with the use of uh, both some of the rhythmical instruments and also bone flutes um, go back to that period. I, I use uh, uh, replicas of, of um, Bronze Age horns, um, um, which is basically a tradition that is a living tradition. The the use of of these lures. Uh, which they are called, uh, as well as goat horns, um, is it, sort of an uh, unbroken tradition in in Norway and, and Sweden. So that's that's um, an instrument type we we know quite a bit about, um, of course. Then, um, of course, the most common string instrument in in our region. Um, for instance, in the Viking period and, and the period before Viking uh, age, um, it would be the lyre, um, uh, a s- small harp, which is also, uh, of course, present uh, in, in, in Britain. Uh, the, the, the stunning um, instrument found in the Sutton Hoo uh, yeah. burial mount, uh, for instance. And, and um, so, so I use uh, instruments similar to, to that. Um, then... Of course, few few hundred years after that, they started to bow the instrument, so which is a, a bowed lyre, basically, um, using horsehair strings and 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 such. Um, so it, it's and and then there is of course a, a var- variety of other instruments I, I I use, but I guess those are are the the main the main um, foundation. Now, a lot, a lot of this music supports um, what was a popular worldview at the time, which is the kind of animistic worldview. Can you explain a little bit about what that worldview is before we look at how the music supports it? Well, I, I guess uh, a, a very, a very simple, uh, simple and and to the core explanation would be the, that animism is the idea that. Um, every, everything um, has has a well. Some would say spirit. Some would say frequency or or uh, identity or or um, energy. Um, that that all, all life ha- has. Well, it, it's a worldview that very much supports the idea that nature is something sacred and something you are a part. Something you. Um, yeah, and to respect that part, your your part in that. But basically, it's the idea that everything um, has a consciousness or or a life in in some form, um, whether it's the trees or stones or or the animals. Um, and and I guess that's um, 
I would say that all nature-based traditions are, are born out of uh, its surroundings. That's what shapes the, the traditions, the culture. Um, yeah, it's born out of its surroundings and its resources, uh, etc., wherever, wherever it uh, arises uh, in, a, in a way. And, and I guess that the fact that nature is so, so central in uh, many of these traditions, that, that it makes a lot of the the things um, connected to it uh, still very applicable, I would say, because, well, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, roaming in the same, same, uh, same nature that, that bore and bred many of these traditions. Uh, so it still speaks in a way you can still uh, connect to it. Yes. Yes. Uh, and how, how was music used within this, uh, worldview. How did it support it, and how was it executed? In earlier times, you mean? Well, um, of course, that's yes. That's uh, that's a more complicated question because, of course, um, what what music sounded like in in Bronze Age is or or uh, in in Viking Age, we only have bits and pieces and clues here and there. So it's a giant jigsaw, but um, based on limitations found in instruments, uh, um, archaeological findings proving that ton- certain tonalities have, hasn't really changed from later traditions, which we know more, more from um, different uh, written sources. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's, you you can you can tell quite quite a bit uh, on on what music would have sounded like um how how it uh speaks to an animistic worldview is i don't know exactly how how to how to uh well if the old poems some of the old poems which it's is highly like uh, likely it is uh, or if some of they are in fact songs, then of course that's a very very obvious connection. Um, um, you you have the Bronze Age horns, which are um, they always come in pair. They are mimicking the shape is mimicking the the uh, either the muskox or or uh, the the ancient auroch, the the now extinct. Um, uh, um, yeah. It's a, f- a form of bison, basically European bison bull, um, and and uh, these instruments are, are uh, well. It's a lot of uh, things indicating that they are ritual uh, instruments. So, and of course, music music has been a, such an important part of um, the daily life, and not only the cultic life. I would say the daily life uh, through work songs and and. Yeah, you. you uh, I think this is uh, present in 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 uh, so many of the older cultures. Uh, you had songs for everything, whether it was being born into the world, or sowing the fields, or picking apples, or baking, or or felting wool. You know, there the, there were songs for it. So, and presumably, they were the, the uh, music was also used in a, in a more ritualistic sense as well in those times. Absolutely, and and of course, this is also an uh, an oral society. So, um, so the, the power of poetry, the power of words, um, 
yeah, we, we almost can't imagine um, um, how, how important it, it was. And, and there are also uh, many studies now pointing towards, uh, well, some, some of the most, uh, most um, uh, famous uh, Old Norse Eddic poems. Uh, there, are, there are many things suggesting that they are, in fact, uh, ritual theatres, um, uh, descriptions of them or the actual uh, ritual itself. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so music, music has always been a part of that. And of course, um, one of the things that suggests these Bronze Age lures being it is, is you have, you have the, since they come in pair, you, you have the, the, actually the, one of the elements which is very, very uh, central in ritual music, uh, whether it's Christian ritual music or, or ritual music from other cultures is the continuity of sound. And of course, uh, when you have these twin uh, twin horns, you, you have that potential of overlapping and, and ha- getting that continu- continuity of sound. And when we look at the um, kind of Norse pantheons going, going back into Norse history... Um, there are a lot of similarities, aren't there, with other cultures? They kind of tie in in a lot of ways. And, and you're talking about that kind of animistic worldview and, and nature and music being very important. And of course, that's no different to the older religions in Britain or, or in various other places. Exactly. So, do we see similar influences within the music as well? Does the music travel and influence those other cultures? How does that happen? Absolutely. Uh, when you go far enough back in time, it, the, the similarities are, are striking. Um, whether it's the r- rhythmical patterns or or, um, or the poetic structures or the tonalities, as far as we 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 can tell, the yeah, it's almost like it's it's a universal thing. Or or and and perhaps that is one of the reasons why our music speak to to people in from so many other places on this planet as well, that it's, it's so, I don't know, coded within our DNA or something, or it's so primal and, and global in a, in a way, some of these things, uh, not only the tonality and, or, or the music of it, but, but as, as you, as you say, the, the, within the, the myths or, or, uh, or um, yeah, spiritual traditions. There, there are also so many, so many ties to to other cultures, and and but you know, it migrations have have happened for for thousands of years. You know, cultures have been moving and and meeting and merging, creating something new. The Norse culture, as we know it today, is 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 exactly a result of that many cultures meeting and merging throughout the course of thousands of years creating something new so the the migration we are we are seeing today it's not a new new phenomena it's always happened been happening so um i i don't necessarily think it's something one should fear you know it's it's always been like that and and will always be uh, like that i think Yes, yes, I, I think so. Now, you you mentioned a couple of times um, the Viking era, and and I don't want to gloss over that, but I do want to highlight one thing I think about it, and that is that it's kind of the go-to era that everybody talks about, isn't it? When you look at 
Norse traditions, everybody instantly thinks about a Viking era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you yourself have got music throughout Vikings, the TV series, for example. You've composed a lot for that. Um, but don't we need to be careful here? Isn't this kind of rather stereotypical to just associate this? Yeah, yeah. Viking. For me, I never, uh, within my music, I never use that word, Viking. I, I uh, explicitly use and, and uh, use the word Norse because uh, defining a culture based on what a, a small amount of people did for a very short amount of time is, is completely wrong. And, and um, uh, so I, I'm very co- uh, aware of, of that in, in how I communicate communicate um when it comes to my work uh, i never use the word viking it, it's not something i, I like it, it's uh, <laughs> well as i said it, it's um it feels so wrong to to sort of define what what a small amount of people did for a short amount of time and uh, on a personal level i have to say that um i actually don't find the viking age very interesting um or of course it it is interesting but looking back in time i'm much more interested and in, intrigued by the period before that even going back to the bronze age um which is I don't know. Uh, for me, um, it seems like a more complete, more wholesome, more uh, healthy um, uh, tradition in a way. My Viking Age, that's migration period. Again, everything is breaking up. Everything is changing. Uh, people are losing their way. Things are becoming more in- industrial, uh, especially when you think about um, the, these animistic worldviews as well. You see that uh, uh, within the within the the, the, the the gods and goddesses that were worshipped, you see that... Uh, uh, the gods that are connected to the land, they are they become less and less important. Uh, and the ones you can bring on your ship into war, uh, they, they they grow in popularity and 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 so on. And uh, yeah, so so my focus is is for sure not on on the Viking period. Does the musical influence change when we get to that period? Then does music become less important, and or is its representation different? No, I, I think yeah, music used to be very uh, central at that point as well. But of course, you have these. Um, I do believe that, the, especially you see that uh, the poetic tradition, the the, the skaldic traditions, they were very. Um, uh, I, I think they were at some form of peak uh, then, and they are very much connected to uh, to um, uh, these. Uh, king, uh, chieftain, uh, warrior aristocracies, um, predominantly, um, more so than the instrumental music. And, and you see similar things in, in the Irish tradition uh, as well, that the, the poetic, uh, uh, the poet and, and, uh, they were more, um, connected to the courtly uh, music and, and, and whereas the instrumental, the flute players or, or fiddlers, they, they were sort of a, a notch down in their hierarchy. And I, I think you see uh, a, a, there seems to be a similar pattern in, in, in the Nordic region as well. Do you think, though, that um, having an opportunity to work on 
something like that TV series, no matter what you might think of the period of history necessarily. And also you scored music for Assassin's Creed, for example, as well, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Does this give us a way of being able to represent the past to younger generations now who otherwise wouldn't be interested in it? Can we kind of educate you know, secretly through these ways, do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, definitely one of the reasons why I, I think such things are important. Of course, you can always discuss um, um, authenticity and, and uh, how historically accurate certain things are. I, I guess you have to co- come to, well, if, if you were going to make an authentic TV show from from uh, Iron Age Scandinavia, it, it would be a lot uh, a lot more farming and a, and a lot less uh, f- f- epic battles, you know. So I, I'm not sure how interesting it, it would be. So I, I guess you you have to when you're making a modern interpretation of a, a like a period drama or something, you have to not only stick to the historical sources, you you have to also. I guess tap into the, the the contemporary notion of of what that time was also you know balancing that out so you, I guess you have to give some and and, uh, and and get some but I overall I would say that well take Norway for instance uh, here it's we we see that after World War Two especially um, that um, working with Norse history is really a touchy subject. Um, it, you see it in, in art, poetry, music. It, it sort of totally disappears. Um, and, and when I grew up, what the stuff we learned about our own, uh, the old mythology and, and history, it's, you know, it, it was thought in a way uh, that made it impossible to take serious. In a, uh, it was very much neglected and, and not not something... Um, we were particularly proud of, or, or um, yeah, the, 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 it's been problematic basically. And and uh, I would say that that this uh, one of the results that this enormous uh, popularity and and sort of international pressure, uh, interest, and and so on, we've seen uh, the last like ten fifteen years now. Um, has has had a, actually a very positive effect on on those things that uh, people are are um, yeah go, looking at that time with more nuanced uh, um, glasses in a way and and um, yeah putting more resources into it uh, which is what's needed of course and and uh, I think those things are important. Um, one thing is, of course, that old Nazi ghost clinging to our symbols, but also when you sort of uh, re relive uh, your history through through the eyes of, of uh, German and British uh, medieval monks, uh, that won't necessarily give you a very neutral or, or accurate or necessarily correct image of that time. So, and and modern modern. Um, uh, academic studies, of course, has been a, a huge part in in sort of um, uh, neutralizing uh, many of these uh, stereotypical views we we've had of that time. 
Um, so I, I would say it, it's a healthy thing and, and uh, that uh, there are definitely some very positive effects um, from such um, um, productions like Vikings or The Last Kingdom or, or uh, now The Assassin's Creed. Yes, which I think are quite a good representation of, of history in a lot of ways, for, you know, despite the, the storytelling element and, and the fun of the gameplay that they've i've seen worse certainly yeah yeah no i i think um and for my own sake as well i i was um very pleased that they they really wanted to to ha- highlight like the the poetic culture that that it is an oral society in and uh, yeah one of my my sort of parts in that was to give vo- voice to the skaldic tradition in a way which um it's very often neglected in uh, in uh, modern uh, interpretation of the, the the old Norse culture. So, so let, let, let's wrap up by looking at your interpretation um, and leading into um, your new album, which is about to come out as as we speak now. Um, what what is the preservation of this musical heritage like? in Norway are you having to reinterpret at a best guess or do you have good preservation to work from well you you, you won't find a score sheet that's for sure and and of course i'm i'm trotting up new grounds in in many ways because i i think the fact that my approach is both um academic and actually and practical um um well, it, it gives me an advantage in a way because I can put a lot of the hypothesis to uh, to in action uh, and and see if if they can float basically. Um, but as I said earlier, it, it's a giant jigsaw. We we um, you have to have a very broad overview of the sources to be able to puzzle something together. We whether it's the the vocal tradition or or. Uh, but there are there are clues uh, many places both found within the instruments um and within the poetic traditions that you can um you can compare to to later traditions using the same type of poetic structures where you actually have song recipes uh you can uh, distill um rhythmical patterns which also makes sense um well they resonate very well with the earliest traditional music we we have in Scandinavia as well, and and uh, Rimur songs on uh, on Iceland, for instance, have elements of it as well. Um, so there are bits and pieces there, um, and um, but I, I, I guess um, I guess my my since my um, well, my, my goal has never been to try and copy the past or, or recreate music from any specific time period. I, I, it is more freely based, of course. But um, on the other hand, there is a lot of things I do within my music, whether it's the, the poetry or the music itself, that I can I can back up with, with sources. Of course, the, the soundscape of... of of uh, Wodruna is, is a modern one. Uh, so, of course, um, that that's completely different. And, of course, I use modern input as well uh, and techniques. So, um, but but it should be deemed um, as, as new music 
based on something old. I say it's reflecting the past, isn't it? And that's, exactly. that's the important thing. Yeah. Now, I know, I know for a fact, because they tell me so on Twitter, that a large number of people in my audience are certainly fans of Wardruna because they were very excited that I was recording this interview. Right. <laughs> so, so to keep them happy, let's talk about your new album. Tell us a little bit about uh, your new work and what sort of themes you're representing in this one. Well, it's it sort of uh, wanders in the in the same um, uh, in the same realm as as the uh, the um, the runic trilogy I did before this, and and um, um, and it, uh, well, it still follows the same kind of um, kind of um, creative concept, where it's the themes themselves that define the instrumental needs, where I record, when I record, etc. Um, but on, on this album, I, I wanted to dive more into um, into uh, the human sphere, focusing on on um, and and there is also a lot of folklore uh, things that that we see have 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 had a continuation since since um, earlier times uh, as well. Some things up almost up until like hundred years ago, if you uh, look at the sources. Um, and and one of them being um um yeah our relation to nature of course and and to animals um that's that's one part of it but also how we define ourselves as humans because we 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 tend to think that uh, or or in in a modern way of doing it is that we have a body and we have a consciousness and if you are a religious person we, you also have a soul uh, but but in these older ways of viewing it, it's it's much more, I would say, complicated and and layered. There are m- many other things uh, attached to it as well. So, yeah, in the album, I, I sort of uh, dive into some of these themes as well. Um, and um, well, if you're familiar with uh, the music of, of Valdruna, it will feel like a continuation of of the previous work, but. Uh, Perhaps, um, yeah, d- diving more into the nerdy details in a way. <laughs> and and the, the title of the album itself, going back to that animal thing, re- refers to the white raven, doesn't it? What 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 is that a reference to? Well, the the raven is, of course, an extremely central figure in in the, the Nordic uh, tradition and um, um, seen as sort of a the the animal embodiment of, of the human mind and memory and, and sort of the, the yeah, it, it brings the dead across. It, it has this this bridging effect, being a messenger from the beyond. Um, and of course, these uh, sacred white animals uh, is, is something we see. It's kind of a global phenomenon, really. Uh, you see it in cultures, not only rev- uh, in many different cultures, not only ravens, but you know, uh, a reindeer or, or elephants or lions or, um, and, and they, they, they often have this, um, prophetic, um, prophecy connected to them, uh, as, as the bringer of, of some form of, uh, renewal, um, uh, an awakening or, or a change. And, and so I, I found that, um, the white raven, um, um, is a very powerful symbol, I would say. And, and, uh, a powerful uh, seed to sow. And I, I think change is something that everybody's hoping for in, in 2021, but uh, what can they also hope for from you finally? What what have you got coming up this year? 
Well, who knows <laughs> with the current situation? It's a, it, it's a difficult time to say things with absolute certainty. Um, at this point, I, uh, I, uh, there are, of course, uh, concerts and, and tours planned both in Britain and, uh, and uh, other, other uh, things. I'm also doing, a, doing a, an online uh, sort of talk and performance for, for the Jorvik uh, festival now in, in uh, February. And um, yeah, who knows? Hopefully we get to play all of these concerts. Um, if not, we'll have to move them again, but hopefully. Well, I'm, I'm sure that uh, even, even if we can't see you in, uh, in real life, as it were, for a little while, then people will certainly want to catch up online. And um, the, the Jorvik concert and talk, as you say, is a really good place to start. I'll post some information about that. Um, in the meantime, do take care of yourself as well. And, uh, Likewise, and uh, thank you so much, Einar, for taking the time to come on and talk to us. Thanks for having me. I was so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with Einar, who is very much in demand and was in a full day of discussions. So I hope we managed to fit as much as possible into the half-hour window which we had available for this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Here's some more music to end the episode with a track called Odal. Thanks for listening and see you next time.